This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined by Cody Rourke of Mile High Sports. You can follow him on social at Cody Rourke NFL, R-O-A-R-K, the lead Broncos reporter here at Mile High Sports and the host of the Good Morning Broncos show on YouTube. Make sure you check that out as well. Cody, thanks for joining us for the Denver Broncos. It is hard to envision a situation in which they could win tonight, uh, but that's not really the point. I think even the Broncos probably understand that. What should be the realistic objective for the Broncos? Is it measured by score? Is it measured by some sort of statistical uh, benchmark? What do the Broncos need to do to be able to walk away and say that we are still somehow going in the right direction? Uh, well, you know, I think there has to be some sort of balance. And look, what I mean by that is so far this season, Denver's been they've been enamored with the passing game, which, you know, is kind of a byproduct of them trailing in some games and uh, not having the ability to stick and commit to the run game. Um, I, I think that's going to be an emphasis we see from them here tonight, I think, to try to open up this game because what we're seeing is when you get into a, a game and you're just so pass-happy in a sense or if you're already trailing and you have to just throw it and you can't run the football – and Denver's defense, with the way that they're playing, you're seeing just them giving up score after score after score, and I, it, it's just not a good formula. It's not winning football. So Sean Payton told us a little bit earlier this week on a short turnaround that he's going to have to be more patient with trying to get the run game going. They're going to get Javante Williams back here tonight, obviously Greg Dolfich. So we'll see if they can open it up here. And uh, I don't know, this may sound weird, but if you win the coin toss, just take the dang ball. Stop deferring to the second half. You haven't done anything with it in the last six games. Just – Take the ball and see what you can they do. Will and, do you know, they will never do that. They will never do that. And and to be fair, most teams defer. You know when they win the toss, most teams do. Uh, I agree. Uh, deferring and putting your defense out there first, you're almost guaranteed of uh, having a deficit. But it is interesting that Kansas City so far this year is averaging. Not many more points per game than the Broncos are. 5.8 yards per play, 25.6 points per game. Their EPA per drop back is 0.17, and their interception rate is rather high, 3.2%. All those numbers are the worst of the Mahomes era. Um, Sean was making this point. I'll maybe vulture. Yeah, <laughs> the, go for it. The point he made. Uh, but he was saying... You get the feeling that the Chiefs are ready to go off against somebody. Why not tonight? With those numbers yeah. being certainly substandard from Kansas City's point of view. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Kansas City's defense, uh, you know, they've been actually playing pretty solid. They're very aggressive under Steve Spagnolo, And look, they're going to have George Karloftis, who was questionable coming into this game. He had a hamstring. He's going to be on a pitch count here, but... They got some good players all across the board defensively, and I think Drew Tranquil came over from the Chargers in the offseason has been a good addition to them at the inside linebacker spot. And, oh, yeah, there's a guy named Chris Jones who's playing on the defensive line. So uh, Denver's offense, you know, as good as they've been playing in spurts, and, uh, you know, they, it, it's been weird to think that the offense and defense for Denver have been better for them, but the defense has taken such a massive step back. Um, you know, just looking at it, it's a tough turnaround, gentlemen. I mean, look, you lose a game on Sunday to the Jets. You shouldn't have, I mean, ideally you should have done a little bit more with those red zone possessions you had there. But once again, that was one game that they just couldn't get off the field defensively in the second half. And then all of a sudden you have a short turnaround against the Chiefs where you don't really get to put in much game plan, much game preparation. So 
I mean, I don't have a lot of optimism for them here in tonight's game. Uh, you know, I think ideally the best thing you can hope for is that everybody comes out of it healthy. But um, right now, Denver sitting at one and four, it does not look pretty for them being ten and a half point underdogs in this game. Yeah, and when you look at the idea of of the way to stop the Chiefs, we know the Broncos historically bad. I mean, the the idea if they can kind of do what they want. I mean, think about this when you're talking about the 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 Defense for the Broncos. The Broncos' pass rush is 29th in win rate. The Chiefs' offense is second in win rate. I'm not sure the Broncos can even get Pat Mahomes' jersey dirty. And so, least sack quarterback yeah, in the league. Right, already he's the least sack quarterback in the league. So uh, th- this is more almost a feeling of That's it, not sacked once. Don't uh, <laughs> you know? It's almost, it's almost like you're running into the big boy that you know you're going to beat you up, and you're just kind of hoping that they decide we don't really have to beat you up that badly. Uh, the Broncos moving away from Randy Gregory, moving away from Frank Clark. They are committing now, obviously, because that's all that's kind of left, to Nick Benito, to Jonathan Cooper. What do you expect to see at all from this pass rush group now that Gregory and Clark, presumably Clark, will you know he's, will be moved on from, uh, will we'll do? Uh, Baron Browning hopefully comes back at some point. Is he part of that mix, or do they think about doing something else with him? Yeah, Barron is going to be part of that mix, to my knowledge, from what uh, you know, I've been told there. It's going to be those three guys. They believe they have three young, very uh, promising potential pass rushers, and I think we've seen just a huge jump from Nick Benito. It's been nice to see from him. In terms of tonight, they're only going to have three outside linebackers tonight. It's going to be Benito Cooper and then Ronnie Perkins, who they signed off the New England Patriots just a few weeks ago. Um, to me, it's it's a challenge when you're playing a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, right? Because Mahomes is so good at escaping pressure, you know, spinning out of, you know, potential pressures or sacks, but he's also very good at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And if you have really good coverage, he finds ways to escape whatever type of rush you have, and he dips it up underneath. I mean, how many times have we seen him on third and long this year? If it's like third and 20, pick up like 25 yards on a scramble. Like that's just the dynamic of how he is. That's the challenge here when you play the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's actually he's been playing very interesting so far. He hasn't been playing his best football, but he's playing big when they need him to. Like There's times where he's just putting the ball into risky windows, throwing bad interceptions. It's very, very weird to see. Um, but then again, it's like he can make those mistakes because they're playing really well in other areas on offense, special teams especially, and also they're playing pretty good on defense. So, uh, it's going to be a tough to beat a team like this. You know, and Sean Payton told us earlier this week, even when things aren't going well for them, they're finding ways to win games, and that's the mark of a really good team, and he is accurate. There were 15 trade suggestions made by Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com today. Four of the 15 involved <laughs> Broncos Steelers. Uh, <laughs> could you see, I know we've already seen them dispense with Gregory, and they were able to make a trade there, and maybe, uh, who knows, maybe they'll be able to make a trade with Clark, too. But uh, some of the people mentioned by Barnwell, uh, Alex Singleton, Jerry Judy, uh, Frank Clark, he wrote the piece before it was reported that Clark would be leaving one way or the other, and uh, Kaywan Williams. Um, they Probably rather trade Sutton than Judy, but I noticed even in the proposed trade for Judy, uh, the Broncos would get a second back and they would get a receiver. 
but they'd also, along with Judy, have to give up a fourth. Uh, I, I'm not sure straight across you can get even a second rounder for Jerry Judy at this point. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it is a little bit because you look at the wide receiver market. I mean, look at already two of the guys that have been traded so far. Chase Claypool, who was a talented guy who obviously Chicago made that trade for from Pittsburgh a couple years ago. And the the value that you're seeing here for a lot of these guys isn't as high for no, the second not round. Even I mean, close. I imagine... I imagine it'd be maybe a third or fourth at this point, you know, at the highest in terms of maybe what one of those guys can get. Um, in terms of what Bill had put out there, I, I think more realistically speaking, I, I do think Jerry Judy is going to be on his way out. Um, there's a yeah. chance that both Judy and Sutton could be on their way out. And right. the reason I say that is they have Traquan Smith, who they just signed, you know, the practice squad last week, and he had offers to join 53-man rosters. Little Jordan Humphrey's obviously there, and then they may just navigate with a young receiving core. Phil Dorsett's on the practice squad, so they may just roll with these guys, Marvin Mims, and then you have a young, talented tight end like Greg Dulcich. That just might be the way Denver goes the rest of the season if they do, in fact, try to get rid of these guys. And then I think there is a chance, too, I mean, that Tim Patrick is back next year. I mean, he did restructure his deal a little bit. Um, but he may be the only guy that returns from this entire bunch. Let me, you know, next year they may see something in that, um, especially with the cost control that's coming up, and obviously the unfortunate two years in a row of an injury. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's a real legitimate chance that Sutton and Judy could be gone from the team going into uh, the October 31st trade deadline. We're talking with my life sports Cody Rourke, Cody Rourke NFL on social, and and I guess the argument there would be if we know the returns are low. Is this a cost-cutting move? Or would these be the Broncos moving away from, from expenses? Or is it the idea the Broncos believe, uh, with Sean Payton in charge, that they're, the talent that he wants to play is different? You know, what would be the longer game? Is the idea to free up money uh, with which to do what? You know, go back shopping with, in free agency? What would be the longer-term plan in training players for value that, uh, quite frankly, you know, they, they understand or... Uh, maybe a little bit better, but essentially pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I think it's probably going to end up being back towards roster development. And, and what I mean by that is probably more of an emphasis in the NFL draft. Now, here's the thing. As much as people want to bag on George Payton, you look at some of the moves that Sean Payton has asked George Payton to make. You look at the free agency signings, Zach Allen. You look at Mike McGlinchey being one of those guys. Samaki Ryan being one of those guys. Troutman, Frank Clark. Yep, Ben Powers, and I think Powers has actually been playing better lately than he was a little bit early on in the season there. But, you know, you invested a lot of money there with two guys on the offensive line. Garrett Bowles' contract's going to be expiring in the next two seasons. There's a chance after this year they move on from him. So there's going to be so many questions with this roster that Denver has um, that I think you have to figure out, you know, hey, like, do you have the, the, the right personnel in place to where you can go through, draft, you know, whoever you may need to draft, and maybe build around guys on, you know, cost-controlled contracts. And I think that's the benefit of rookie deals, with especially, you know, first-round picks. You get essentially five years with them. You know, the other ones, you get essentially three or four years with them and trying to just figure out, okay, are these guys going to lead this team in the direction they want to get back to, and that's winning games. I'm very, very curious to see where Sean Payton and George Payton are at on that. But I do think there's going to be a ton of changes, and I just don't see – how this can be turned around in a year. I think this is going to be another maybe three- to four-year process here for Denver to get back to where they truly want to be. Which would mean 
maybe a decade out of the playoffs or even more than that. If you're saying three to four years, uh, it may be more, maybe more than that. And uh, yes, uh, I think the patience of the fans, generally speaking, generally speaking, wore out about four years ago myself, but uh, uh, maybe that's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When you look at, what they've got right now uh, offensively, the, the, I, I still don't understand. I know he's had some shaky moments on special teams last couple of weeks, but a guy who is averaging 20 and a half yards per target has 10 catches for 246 yards, and he can't get on the field for more than a third of the game the other day? I mean, yeah. maybe tonight they unleash him. <laughs> But what have they been waiting for over the last five weeks? Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't have, I have no answer for. And it. McLaughlin too. McLaughlin can't get on the field, and I assume if yeah. if uh, Javante Williams plays tonight, you'll see even less of McLaughlin than you have been. Yeah, Javante will play, and so for me, I think that's where things get interesting. Jaleel's been, on, and the times that he's been on the field, he's been fun to watch. He's been explosive. Sure has. He's created some downfield plays for yeah. them, and you can't just go away from that. You have to find a way to build that into what you're doing because it's working. It's doing, you know, it's one of the things that is working. So how do you combine that with other areas? And I think that's where that's where I think they can really build this identity on running the football, which unfortunately they've never really tried to establish the run this season. That to me, has been a little disappointing. and I think How many coaches in a row fun. now does that make coming in here saying, we're going to be a power running team? Uh, I count yeah, at least four. At least yeah. four. At least the yeah, last four have all said that, and none of them have followed through. Yeah, it's unfortunate, too. It really, really is. Um, I think a lot of that – Look, this is a young roster in a lot of areas, and I think while the offense has been pretty solid in, in a lot of cases, it does not, nothing that they do is going to matter if the defense is continuing to give up points and explosive plays at the rate that they're doing. They're playing a lot of cover three this year, and teams are just attacking it. They seem to have a lot of miscommunication issues when there's motion. Motion has really just been something that's hurt the Broncos' defense. Really? With, are the Broncos uh, with, contending uh, that they have three guys who actually cover people? I know that's not what cover three means, but <laughs> I don't yeah, think the Broncos but, have three guys who can cover the three of us. Yeah, no, and honestly, it's weird. They're better in man coverage than they are in zone, and, and that's what yeah. I think is just so I've noticed that too. Because that's because their technique and their communication is, is bad. That's why. That, that's yeah. the number one thing, because like zone coverage, in theory, is easier to play because you know you have a certain area you have to protect. But, you know, it's just I, I don't know what's going on. And you can definitely tell Dan Orlovsky did a great job today um, explaining it. But there's times where they're in zone coverage. There's motion, but the defense, nobody on the defense is communicating at all. And then it's no. leading to confusion. No. It's leading to guys, you know, not going to the right zone. And right. Uh, it's just been it's been disastrous. I'm not sure what's what the issue is. But, uh, look, I think if there's any coaching changes, you're going to see a lot of changes on the defensive side first. He is Cody Rourke. Make sure you give him a follow on social at Cody Rourke NFL. That's R-O-A-R-K. And FL, host of the uh, Good Morning Broncos program. Give that a look over on YouTube as well. You can always get all of those right there on that Mile High Sports app. And uh, Cody will have the breakdown, of course, after the game. He's got terrific content on the Broncos every single day. 
on My Life Sports, and we certainly appreciate it. Thank you for the time, Cody. Yes, sir, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right, thanks, Cody Rourke, joining us. It is uh, tough to look at this game and figure out a way the even what would be a measurement for success. What would you consider successful? Let us know. Call or text 303-831-1340. What's a successful outing for the Broncos? What would it even look like? Help us out. On the bright side, the champs are coming back sooner rather than later. The Nuggets have started their preseason, yet already the disrespect card? Maybe. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets, the NBA defending champions, started their preseason uh, earlier this week with a win over the Suns. They play again tonight in just about 35 minutes. It'll be uh, they'll toss the ball up in Chicago, where the Nuggets will take on the Bulls. The preseason itself, uh, not all that important, save maybe for some of the younger players. Julian Strauss would like to fill uh, to maybe you know keep that run going after a very nice debut. Uh, they do want to work with some youth. Obviously, there's some value in getting Peyton Watson time. Uh, but for the for the Nuggets, it is health first and foremost. Over at ESPN, they finished their best 100 players in the league, and Nikola Jokic, uh, obviously near the top. Michael Porter Jr. finished at 68th. Aaron Gordon at 51st. Jamal Murray at 17th, which is a big, big jump for Jamal. And Nikola Jokic has number two. Overall. Behind Giannis. Well ahead of Embiid, who is a distant third. Now... You're talking about a two-time MVP, of course Giannis is too, but a guy that just sort of broke the NBA during the playoffs on their way to a title when everybody has time to plan against him, when everybody right. has time to scheme against him, when Best everyone's seen in him, the world. and he simply dominated. It's kind of funny. They also had a, a six members of the panel that voted, then went right. and broke it down, and they were asked about that decision and apparently none of them voted that way. Tim Bontemp no, says right. it should have been flipped. Jokic over Giannis. Bobby Marks said it was predictable because of uh, Giannis's completeness as a player, but he said that it's probably unfair because the criteria should be ranked with clutch time and performances at the end of games, and Jokic Nobody's is better. Nobody's better than Jokic. Um, Dave McMenamin said it's basically breaking an unwritten rule. Uh, if you're considered one of the best players in the league and you win the title while claiming finals MVP... Right. You're the best player in the You're world. The best player in the world. Kevin Pelton said yeah. it's inconsistent with NBA history. Kendra Andrews, maybe the one that will resonate most here in Denver, said it's in line with how Jokic is viewed. The Nuggets and Jokic have always struggled to get respect, and this is a continuation of that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a bit of an overstatement, but you're right. Fans here will like to hear that. Um, I mean, he was voted number two. <laughs> overall. I, overall. And by far the best. And if you read the assessments, I, I mean, you you couldn't tell if you didn't know what the rankings were and you read the assessments of both, you can tell which one they preferred, really. Now, I say Embiid was a distant third because he clearly wasn't mentioned with Giannis and Jokic, nor should he be because they have something he does not, an NBA title. 
He does not have that. So he can't possibly be ranked first or second. Um, I, I actually more or less agreed with their top 10 and even the order. Uh, apart from, I, I also put Jokic number one, Giannis number two, uh, MB probably number three for me. Uh, then you got Curry, Tatum, Durant, uh, Gilgis Alexander, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. And I'm, you know, I, those top 10 players in the league that by position, if you break it down as they identify these players by position, mm-hmm. now they, identify Doncic as a small forward. Okay. That's uh, fine. I, I guess. Um, he's kind of like a he's point guard, really. More, but, okay. He's a point forward. You know, he, he's he's the guy. It becomes hard to grade the these show. guys, really. Yeah. You know, in the end but of, anyway, yeah. what, whatever. If you take him as a small forward, by their rankings, their first all-NBA team would be Jokic, Giannis, and Doncic with Curry and Booker in the backcourt. Their second team would be Embiid, Tatum, and Anthony Davis with Gilgis Alexander and Anthony Edwards in the backcourt. Their third team would be Adebayo, Durant, and Sabonis, along with Lillard and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that'd be a pretty good team. <laughs> uh, and the fourth team, uh, I don't agree with the choice at center, but for them it's Carl Anthony Towns, uh, LeBron and Siakam at the forward spots and Jamal Murray as the point guard with Jalen Brown alongside. I think apart from towns, that would be a pretty good team. There are other centers I would put in there, but out of the top 100, they had 24 point guards, 20 shooting guards, only 17 centers, 18 power forwards and 21 small forwards. Yeah. It's really a positionless game now. But it also means that the skilled big man has an advantage that they maybe haven't had in other years, too, as the league gets smaller and smaller. So if you're a a guy like a Nikola Jokic, you have the ability to play a little bit of bully ball if you want. You can pass. you 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 have guys that can't defend you. Now, that's even sort of an anomaly on the Nuggets because right now, at least, if you were to take the preseason game, that they played against the Suns, the backup center, Nikola Jokic, might be Aaron Gordon. Right. Who is who one is of the six, top eight. dozen power forwards. Right. Ahead, by the way, of Draymond Green, Zion Williamson. Uh, Holmgren has to play. He's I know play. He's, he's he's got great promise. He's going to be terrific. Um, if he can stay healthy. Uh, ahead of uh, Kyle Kuzma, John Collins. Grant Williams, I mean, uh, Gordon, uh, to me, the the one silly thing they did, the top 100, is they put Wembanyama in the top 100. He Mm. hasn't played an NBA game yet. You can't put him there. ESPN is highly invested in in Wembanyama. They just, they are. They are. So I I don't know how. They love him. For all the voters, they, they that was the weird thing to me, that he ended up being ranked, I think, 50th ahead of Gordon which is absurd. Uh, but look, look at some of the guys ranked ahead of Aaron Gordon. I'm not sure I would, would take any of these guys over uh, Aaron Gordon. Ju- Julius Randle 
Evan Mobley. Not I wouldn't, nice I wouldn't take player, either one of them. They're but good I wouldn't players. take either one of them. I wouldn't take Jaron Jackson Although Jr. Like, over Aaron Gordon. I like Gordon. Aaron Jackson Jr. I wouldn't lot, take Bonchero right ooh. now over Aaron Gordon. Right now, this moment, I wouldn't. Okay. So that leaves what? Uh, the kid in Utah, who's great. Oh, yeah, Mark uh, Markin. Yeah. Uh, Siakam, Sabonis, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. I mean, Aaron Gordon, I, in my view, is clearly one of the top ten power forwards in the league of 30 teams, you know, and Michael Porter Jr. is number 17 among small forwards, and Jamal Murray is number four among point guards, and Jokic is number one among centers. If you can't win a championship with that, <laughs> I I don't know but how, what's how funny much is, more you is need. It took that championship to get that reputation because you look where these guys were last year. They weren't there. Now, Jokic was. Jokic was. But Murray Gordon and Porter weren't. No. Porter wasn't even on the list. Gordon, I, I don't I Gordon was on the list. It was very low. And Murray, I think, was somewhere in the 70s. Yeah. So Well, uh, you know, Murray's coming off a right, injury and hasn't played that. in almost two. But years. but some of this is the idea that the Nuggets then earned this and people oh, realize, they oh, they're way oh, better than than a lot I, of us thought. I, they they were. And I still don't think, and I think Kendra Andrews is right. In the sense that I would have put it differently, I I don't think people realize how good the Nuggets were in the playoffs. Correct. And how they much better they were in the playoffs than they were during the regular season, mm-hmm. which is very anti-Nuggets. If you look down through the years, that is the antithesis of what the Nuggets have generally been, which often is a very good regular season team that sort of flops and a lot playoffs. of that give them credit. And last year they flipped give them credit to michael malone because and we've we've done this we've had our our beefs with michael malone's in-game management in the past but uh, it feels like they hit a moment in the playoffs in he the, was great in the, playoffs. in the game against phoenix, he was great in the playoffs uh, early in the phoenix series when michael malone was frustrated with his team and kind of kind of balled them out after that we heard uh, the players that were talking about how Jokic spoke in the locker room he doesn't really do a lot and then Ever well, since that, then, in, in Miami, I thought he he spoke out of turn. But when he talked about the Phoenix road games, we left our defense somewhere in the desert. Right, he was right. I mean, no, really, <laughs> you're going to debate that? But after of that, course but he was after right. that Phoenix, of course he was right. Thing though, that he he eased up on the throttle with these guys a little bit. No, but I was right. I think he did. I agree with that. But I thought he was right to go off after him in the first place. I didn't think he was right against Miami. Now, it didn't make any difference, ultimately. They were going to win the series either way. But I, I thought against Phoenix, I thought he set a tone. And even in the Lakers series, when he really didn't have to, I thought when he benched Christian Brown, yeah, he deserved to be benched. You pointed that out and that then, day. And then, to make his point that he'll bench you, but He's not going to abandon you. I thought he would. And I, I I would have, on a certain level, defended that. But he didn't. He as soon as the said, finals came around, yeah. he reinserted Brown he did and played him say. more than he did during the regular season. He basically told Christian Brown in that case, he's like, hey, I told you to, in this case, I told you to go guard Austin Reeves and yes. don't let him and into three and it. you didn't do it. Right. Not today, so then. So he benched him in game Sit four. down. But he did, but he went right back to him. But he went him. right back to him. The message was, the message one. was, you're not playing of today. Today. Yeah. 
because you didn't do what I wanted to do. So today, and that represented you're not growth. playing. That and represented and players trust that because they know one, you're going to be held accountable, but he, but he's not going to abandon you. And it also lets the locker room enforce itself a little bit because you know the Brown wouldn't have been able that night to walk around the locker room and go, "Wow, coach treated me unfair." The rest of the players are going to look at him and be like. Eh. I mean, no, you know, they no, oh, no. Reeves. no, and he's let him go. Ne- he is never, and, well, even I'm, during the season well, when I'm he not, wasn't I'm playing, not he should have been. Sandy, I'm not suggesting he's a complainer. What I'm suggesting is the way locker rooms work. Hypothetically, if he wanted to, he wouldn't have gotten support for that. The, 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 the coaching decision would have been highly defensible even within the locker room. And, and as Malone eased off the throttle in general and, and, and then was rewarded with a title, I think you've seen a coach that that hit that next marker, and, and I'm intrigued to see how that comes out as this season goes along. On Sports Center, Shaquille O'Neal had an yeah. opportunity to speak a yeah, little bit. He was and, good. Uh, while a lot of team, a lot of people aren't picking the Lakers, I personally believe the Lakers, uh, along with the Suns, are by far the two biggest threats to the to the Nuggets. But people aren't picking the Lakers to win the whole thing, despite no, the fact I think no, that man. they've done a nice job. Re- I think as weird as this is to say, Sandy. I can't believe I'm even saying this. It's the NBA. I think maybe some t- people are sleeping on the Lakers. I think they're more dangerous than they're getting credit for. But even Shaquille O'Neal said that the Lakers know who's boss. Based on what the Lakers have done in the offseason, how much of the gap do you think they've closed with Jokic and Co.? It's not about closing the gap. It's about beating the champs. You know, Denver did what they were supposed to do, and you know, now they're the champs. And you know, I think Coach Malone said it the best. You know, this is not a rivalry. We're not going to live what happened four months ago. This is a new season, and listen, in order to beat the champs, you have to beat the champs. I think LeBron and the guys know that. So, Denver is the team to beat. And you know, a lot of people, including myself, we want the Lakers to win. LeBron has been one of the only players that have been very consistent on how they play and you know how they look. A lot of us, you know, we get older and. You know, we're not the same player. Like, I, you know, my last year, well, I definitely wasn't Shaq. I was, uh, you know, chasing chasing number five. You know, we just wanted to play with the Celtics. But he looks pretty good. And he's already has the, the, the most points. So he passed up Kareem. He wants to take it to where the record will never be broken for the next 60, 70 years. I know exactly what he's doing. And, and I agree with all of that. But the reality is he hasn't played 60 games over the last three years, even once during the regular season. And I think, you know, they can talk all they want. The NBA, even Adam Silver admitted this week that they were going to treat this load management business and the new rules. You have to play in 65 games to be eligible for the top awards. Right. They will treat it with a light touch. Meaning he knows teams are going to say, Hey, this guy's hurt. Man, you can't prove otherwise. This guy's hurt. And they're not going to go after them hard. And I actually think for the Lakers, it makes no sense to play LeBron more than maybe 60 games during the season. And awards be damned. LeBron doesn't care about that. Uh, LeBron cares about about one more title. And maybe doing what Shaq said he's capable of doing, and that's establishing a scoring record that nobody will ever break because there isn't a player in the history of the league who at uh, LeBron's age is playing the way LeBron is playing he, right he can't now. Play Not one. That way, you know, with the, Virtually with the all 40 out of minutes the game. a night. 
But by then, but you give retired. LeBron James if for fifteen minutes a night every night, he's as good as he ever was for fifteen minutes. The other ones Sometimes there's a drop longer. off. Sometimes yeah, longer. It's uh, it's but it's I impressive. think he's a thirty minute a game guy now, and I think you can get. Uh, you know, that was one of the questions they posed in the piece. How long can LeBron remain a top 10 NBA player? And most of the panel said pretty much as long as he wants, but they, they've got to be careful not to overuse him. And that's where I think uh, they've done a pretty good job out there, that Darvin Ham has done a nice job in recognizing that. And it would be helpful if Anthony Davis weren't as fragile uh, as he was. Uh, and, and, and Reeves is now a top 100 player in the league. So they've, they've got three guys mm-hmm. who are legitimate. And, and I agree with bench. you. I think it sounds yeah. weird to say it. They're, I, I think, in some ways yeah. a little underrated. But certainly to the Nuggets last year, the, the Lakers were easy pickings. They were the speed bump, the one that gave them the Minnesota gave them more, more trouble. trouble than the Lakers. So did Phoenix. So did Miami nuggets back at it tonight in preseason against the bulls. In the meantime, you will probably be watching the Denver Broncos because now they have a game that counts. Although how long it will be uh, relevant is up. For when, when does the nugget game start? Yeah. Six. You can watch it for the first 15, maybe see some starters and then switch over to the debacle that's coming on Thursday night. Yeah. Following that, we're going to look at our crystal ball. I was thinking about Sandy saying, like, what players uh, should the Broncos look at moving? But I realized that we don't only have so much time left in the show. We might look at what guys you can't afford to move. move. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. We chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there. Sandy Clough and Chantro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Want to remind you that you don't have to bet with the big boys this football season. You can try your hand at the local book. That's our friends at Superbook this fall. Superbook's the book next door. It's just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Apropos of nothing, the Chiefs are double-digit favorites against the Denver Broncos, as you expect. They are going to win tonight. The question is only about how much. And then the question for the Denver Broncos, uh, Randy Gregory is gone. The news that Frank Clark will be moved on from his contract has been renegotiated to lower the cap hit a little bit to facilitate a trade. Presumably, if there isn't a trade to be found, he'll be released. That's been the reports as well. We had Cody Rourke join us earlier. Our lead Broncos writer from Mile High Sports has said that he would not be surprised. He feels that Judy is going to be traded and yeah. feels that he, it's likely that Judy and Cortland Sutton would be traded. And apropos of nothing, I did take a look at the books during the break. Uh, one of the numbers that was taken off the board the over-under on Cortland Sutton's catches today as well. Read into that, perhaps, uh, what you will. For the Broncos, there are a lot of guys that either are carrying heavy salaries or 
in the case of like a Jerry Judy, maybe carrying a comparatively low salary enough that somebody might be interested in giving you something right. decent for it. Right. He's on a rookie deal. But at this point, it's also pretty easy to look at the Denver Broncos, Sandy, and think, who should you keep? And I'm going to be honest about it. It's just Pat Sertan. It's the only guy on the roster. If anybody else on the roster, a team called and said, we'd like to make a trade, I might not just say, yeah, let's talk. I might just say, for what? What what, what were you willing to give us? Okay. I mean, it's that bad. Sertan's the only guy. And, and I would say this. I wouldn't say that's ironclad. If somebody gets desperate and says, we'll give you two firsts, I might jump. But that's the yeah, only player I, I, on the I team. I doubt they get. I, I don't think they do. But I. But I. I'm even saying that even with Sertan, right. you don't immediately hang up the phone. You listen. Yeah. But that's the only guy because if if Cody's right, and this is three four years away, which by the way, in the summer we warned you that's exactly what was coming when everyone else was going. Ah, Sean Payton's going to fix it. Ten to twelve wins. The you think about say a Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons will be thirty four midseason in four years he won't be able to help you by the time the broncos are relevant again and so in the meantime hey free justin simmons that's where i'm at you can't free justin convince simmons. me regardless of his statements publicly that he wants to be here he, he can't and, and i don't blame if him. he's a competitor he doesn't i don't blame him it's been eight years of this nonsense close to good, seven good and a half catch, to by the way seven and a half yeah no, I mean, you could catch on switching the word nonsense. <laughs> I think there are a couple other words that could have been used. But, no, he's been worn down by it. And I, I think that's fairly obvious. I think he has to realize now in his 30s that, you know, playing on this team is going to shorten his career. If, it, if he stays on this team, it's going to shorten his career. He's already – had some injury issues this year again. And, you know, you put him on a team like Philadelphia, yeah. he could be a difference maker. Simmons turns 30 in five weeks. There's 30 you know, already. So he's essentially 30. Yeah. I mean, no, that's uh, what I mean. No, I'm saying he's, he'll t- right, he turns 30 right, during the season. Right, yeah. Right. And so, uh, uh, he would yeah. be making, let's say, yeah. if the Philadelphia Eagles wanted to be aggressive, which would be the way, by the way, it'd be a great pickup for the Eagles oh. and, a, and yeah. a great move for Simmons. Uh, Simmons would be hitting age 30 playing for a Super Bowl with right. one of the, the the few teams that can realistically no, and, say our chances and, are realistic. You know, I, it would, as Barnwell suggested, would Kwan Williams, if healthy. And he's that's got, he's got to get healthy first. He's got to get healthy would, in the next couple help weeks. Philadelphia give him a slot corner when they've lost some people in the secondary already this year? Yeah. But I, I think getting Justin Simmons. Would help him and, and, more. and not I know one of not the four corner, people but, that uh, Barnwell listed uh, as trades for the no, Broncos. No, no. <laughs> but which to a, my a, mind, a guy who could maybe, be dealt, and I, and so player that you know could be dealt. In, in Simmons' case, you know he's he's going to step in there. He's going to be a smart-headed player. He's not going to make any waves. He's an absolute professional. He's a great person to be around. Justin Simmons is a good human being, and he's a very good player. If, if you're a team that's a Super Bowl contender, I look at a Justin Simmons and I'm thinking, I want to go get that guy. That guy can be a difference maker for us on the right team in oh, a situation and, that's better where he can be recharged. Yeah, and, and I understand the safety position uh, is not as critical as But corners, he's one of the few ball hawks at that but, safety yeah, position. Yeah, he makes it more than any other safety in the league uh, over the course of basically his entire career. He's made more 
plays, made more interceptions than virtually any other safety, I believe, during his time mm-hmm. in the league. There, there's no safety that intercepts as many passes as Justin Simmons does. So I, I'm rooting for him to be traded, not because I think any less of him as a, a player, but I, I think he deserves, after all of this, to go to a team that has a chance to be in the playoffs and it's ridiculous for a player as good as Simmons has been never to have played in a playoff game. That's just inconceivable to me. And, you know, heck, uh, if Cody's right and it's another three or four years, maybe in 2027 we'll be saying the same thing about Patrick Satan. He deserves to be moved. Uh, he's gone through seven or eight years of losing. He deserves a chance to go to a winner and help them win. And, boy, you just you look across the league. You watch a lot of football. Yeah. These teams, and you'll see it again tonight, they're, they're playing almost a different sport yes. from the one the Broncos are playing. Yes. That's one of the things that I think is really being lost in the shuffle. The idea was that Sean Payton's an offensive genius and the best play caller in the NFL, but he's running an offense that doesn't seem to be all that compatible with 2023 NFL football. Correct. I agree. In removing the playmakers that he has, whether it's because they're young or who knows what, or he's just not familiar with them, I don't know. I mean, he's the man in charge of the football organization when when Marvin Mims was drafted and Julio McLaughlin was signed. Presumably he liked those guys. Why not play them? It makes no sense to me. I don't understand. You have you're you're when a, they give you an element that you otherwise don't have. This is at the all. slowest team in the NFL mm-hmm. on both offense and defense. It is. The it's two the slowest players on your offense are league. Marvin Mims and Jaleel McLaughlin. It, at least in terms, I don't know. You yeah. can look at it at the forty times. Mm-hmm. I don't care. But you as, as far as football speed, at watching them this year, Marvin Mims and Jaleel McLaughlin are your two most explosive right. and fastest players. This is you can't get on the field. If you don't realize this is a speed league, you won't have to look very far tonight because the ones wearing red and yellow, they have it yeah. everywhere to the point where they can let Tyreek Hill walk. Yeah. And then go well, into Super Bowl. You know where they have it, where they didn't always have it? They have it on defense now. Yeah. You watch they them fly. swarm tonight. You they watch fly. them swarm. Tonight. And that that bases off of where the pressure needs to come from. And the Broncos talk about their excitement with their young edge rushers. That's great. I'm not knocking that. But you want to know how to throw a quarterback off in football now? It's never really changed. But it's even more noticeable. Pressure up the middle. Chris Jones may not get a sack. Chris Jones may not even get close to getting a sack. Chris Jones is going to impact Russell Wilson more than any of their guys rushing off the edge. And guess what? That's not new. The best quarterbacks in the league, the guys that get rid of it quick, you don't know how to disrupt Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning in their primes? Same thing. Pressure right up the gut. And the Broncos don't generate it. And if the Chiefs are as smart as I think they are, they'll pick up on the fact that the Jets spied Russell Wilson yep. in the second keep half him from running. And Nick Bolton's coming back tonight. He'd be a good candidate to spy on Russell Wilson, wouldn't you think? Yep. How bad does this get, Sandy? What's your guess? Uh, I have twenty-seven thirteen Kansas City, but it's one of those things. If it's thirty-seven thirteen, it wouldn't show. But easily covering, easily two yeah, touchdowns, oh yes. two That's- touchdowns. I, I agree. I think this That's is a point. 14 to 17 <laughs> point win right. for the Chiefs. The numbers, I have no idea. It's however many uh, points they want to put on the Broncos. Feels like a get-right game for the Chiefs. They, their offense yeah. has been out right. of sync. 
Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is the perfect team. Yeah. The worst team in the last 42 years defensively. You want to get back in sync? Uh, every play in your playbook will probably work, Andy Reid. What do you want to try? That's where we're at. We'll talk about it more when we'll talk about the uh, aftermath of this game and what it means for the Denver Broncos. Tomorrow we'll also preview the Buffs as they take on Stanford. On Friday the 13th. On Friday the 13th. And did you hear Dion today? Uh, actually, it was last night on his weekly radio mm-hmm. show. And we're, I'm going to need some help with this. Complaining about the 8 o'clock start. I mean, Dion, you're on national TV. Yeah, that's the point. They want to feature you. Yeah. That's why you're playing at 8 o'clock. And the last time you played at that hour, you drew the greatest nighttime football audience for a college game in the history of ESPN. ESPN. They're betting on it again. And by the way, your players, uh, they're 18 to 22 years old. I remember my days. They're fine. They're up. You're no They'll sleep in on Saturday. Yeah, you'll be good. We'll talk about that. Thanks to Cody Rourke for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks to Danny Bailey for making everything work in the booth. Thanks to you, however you listen. Whether it's FM, HD, MyLifeSports.com, or you've made it easy on yourself and just got the free MyLifeSports app to get everything we do and more, we appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back in just around 22 hours to talk about the Broncos' disastrous loss. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going anywhere else with it, but uh, even though we have to step out, you don't. So keep it right here on MyLifeSports.